0: Do you guys have misters at the house, yeah, I was gonna say that's the that's the pro move man. We rented a house down there, and the misters inexpensive, but they changed the game in terms of heat.
1: yeah, they are nice I, for
2: some reason i my mind went straight to like you like sublent a room to a mister like what's a mister who's this?
1: <laughs> who is this misters? guy
2: <laughs> right i mean you you mean like physical misters that miss people, yep, yep,
0: mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. It's like a tube that just like stretches along and just like rains down in, like mist, but it never actually like, touches your skin. It's just cool. Like you yeah. never get wet. It's nice.
2: Uh, everybody ready to rock?
0: Good day. You are listening to a podcast, but this isn't just any podcast. Just any podcast. Couldn't do this. All this. What the, this is the podcast starring the tips. starring the tips. start. The ah, starring the Ted Smith and Cobb. Ha-ha! The podcast starts. You better wear a helmet now.
2: All right, welcome back to another The Home episode of The Podcast. We're the host of this here podcast. Greatest podcast in all the land.
1: All the land.
2: Call me the Ted Smith. All right, back there in this rightful place in the upper left hand corner, goes by the name of Cobb. He might actually be in town. Cobb, what's going on? <laughs>
0: What's up, boys? Uh, I am in town, back in Seattle, back on the block. Uh, Rain City, the Emerald City. I've been pushing for Cloud City. Um, good to see you guys. Now Matt's gone. <laughs> right.
2: Getting the studio all set up on the Wheel to Steel in Palm um, Desert?
1: God, Close. It? Yeah, basically. It's right over yeah. there. Uh, Matt, Palmer, the producer, MCCP. What's up, Matt? Hey, Ted. <laughs>
2: Uh, so let's get a couple things out of the way. Number one, Mr. Cobb, have you listened to the audio?
0: <laughs> I thought we were past that. I thought about oh. it yesterday and I was like, looking at it, I was like, okay, well, I feel like, you know, we kind of talked about it. He's probably ready to drop it. Like, I'm not even going to go spend the time doing the research. Cause I was going to listen to it on the plane on the way up here. I was like, you know, like let, let a uh, sleeping dogs lie. Let bygones be bygones. <laughs> but then first thing is back in my face. No, I have not.
2: Uh, all right. I mean, we can let it go. I'm fine with it. I think that counts as a victory for me, but uh,
0: you know, I actually, so I, I usually hate when people assume victory, but I, in this circumstance, I would have to agree that if I don't post, I think it's the, the onus is on me to prove it. I think if I don't post uh, you know, post bail, so to speak, or bring evidence to the table that, you know, that what you said stands. So how about, how about this? No need to bring it back up again, but at some point I may come with the evidence, just when we need to mix it up on an episode. Because I don't know when I'm gonna have time to do the research. But until then, you are correct. Yeah, burden of proof.
2: Yeah, exactly. Correct. Asterisk. He's got to. He's got to make it without a reasonable doubt.
0: Investigation <laughs> pending. Listen, sugar, I'm a. What's
2: it, I'm a genius at raising a reasonable doubt. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, you guys ever seen Scarface? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Remember that famous scene when he's sitting over with this lawyer and he says something like that. Now, listen, I'm great at making a reasonable doubt, but you got hundreds of thousands of unmarked bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, come on. <laughs> Work with me here. Uh, uh, all right. Also, uh, I want to give a big shout out to our buddy, Sober Sal and the uh, Not Playing Stupid podcast. I was down there this weekend. <sighs> you guys would have loved it. It was it was everything all three of us like. Great food, me for plenty of beers, and then there was just activities all day.
0: Love the activities. What were you getting up to? Like, uh, we're talking croquet or bags or what?
2: All right, so we had 10 guys. What was it? Six events.
0: Dude, I thought it was like just you and Sal. Okay, so this was like a bro down. Oh, yeah. Now you have my attention.
2: 10 guys, six events, and then uh, Sean and I thought we were going to be on the same team. Oh, no, no. The teams switch up each, each event, and then basically you gotta, you got a place, right? So you get three points for first, two points for second, a point for third. We opened up 11 a.m., bocce ball. You know Sean and I were already hurting. We were up late the night before doing our part of barbecuing. Sal makes all the food. We just keep him company until 3 a.m. when he gets the coals going and stuff. And I was like, no, 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 we're helping out. This this you yeah. need guys like us.
0: Moral support, man.
2: So we start with bocce ball at eleven a.m. A uh, bunch of great dudes, like his neighbor Dave's awesome. I met some of his buddies and some of Sal's uh, old uh, Air Force buddies. But like eleven a.m. is just, I mean, it's dudes, dudes that like beers. So everybody's kind of like wiping their eyes, <laughs> like, and also like, I just love guys like this because I was like, man, I hope we brought enough beer. I think every dude showed up with like a case of beer and was like,
0: let's go. It's go time. Corona's <laughs> yeah, Corona's the past. It's go time.
2: Right. <laughs> so we started with bocce, which was fun because we were playing on his neighbor's property, like around the house. So I mean it was all terrain bocce, man. Some of it Dude, was that's what we call it
0: extreme bocce. That's the best. Yeah.
2: Some of it was like on the on the gravel road, like you had to be on your game. So we started with bocce, then we went inside and played foosball. I am god awful at foosball. <laughs>
1: Do you try and spin him? So you could spin, but you
2: couldn't take your hand off.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like, I've never seen this much passing in foosball, man. And he was like watching a real soccer team. I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, right. So we did foosball. Then we went outside for badminton, which is probably the most athletic event of the day. I had, I came in dead last in that one and had arguably the most athletic guy there on my team. And he's like, just it's about finesse it's not just pure strength i was like i know man i know you're super athletic but like we need to score some points
0: (laughs) i tuned down the power wait so at this point where are you in the standings at badminton like where are you in the overall rankings
2: i was i was in a tie for last with my partner with from badminton we had both not scored points but there was a few of us in last at this point
0: okay all right so you know there's still still chance
2: Yeah. And his neighbor's a lawyer. So it's kind of like our buddy. That's a lawyer. Like everything was on a spreadsheet. I mean, we had sat there the night before, well, Dave and Sal planned it out. Sean and I just played shuffle puck and drank beers and kind of interrupted them a bunch. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, you Cobb, you would have loved, I mean, it was pinpoint like, this is the, this is how it's working. Right. This is my kind of day. Yeah. We did bocce ball. Then we came inside uh, salad cooked, of course, a pork shoulder and brisket uh, baked beans on the smoker so everybody stopped down ate a bunch of food then we fired it back up with pool Ooh. which i scored points in that one mainly because go. uh sean was on my team and we've now deemed ourselves the scratch boys <laughs> we weren't very good but we would talk enough trash and get in people's heads that people were like god damn it i can't believe i scratched like at one point the other dave who had won because there's a trophy So the the trophy had only been handed out one year. And this other guy, Dave, his name was on the trophy. And I hear him out of the corner. He didn't think we could hear us. And he just goes, Matt, you're going to have to believe me. He goes, just don't lose to these two assholes. Do not let them win. And I was like, I heard that. And he's like, sorry, man. Like, it it got competitive. (laughs) And after pool, we played shuffleboard. Maybe that's when we broke down at eight. And then we went next door to uh, the Dave's uh, shop and threw bags. Then we had a fire and talked trash. There was a game of basketball, which I was horrible at, but my badminton teammate was actually good at. And Dave's daughter is like 14, but plays in some travel team. She was, <laughs> I was just getting ruined in ba- Plus, I'm drunk by this point. Like I can't take yeah. a pass. It was it was brutal. But just a great day and like getting all the getting all the games in and stuff. Just a just an awesome time. So just want to make sure I gave Sal and Jessica some love. everybody had a blast down there.
0: Dude, that By sounds way, awesome. That's totally my kind of day. Yeah, well, that's what we
2: were saying. There was a bunch of us that, like, look, we could have sat here for either, w- either way for hours and just, like, slug beers and ate barbecue. But it is kind of fun to, like, have activities to do during the day.
0: Oh, yeah, get the games going, man. That's We used to always do those Chelan trips uh, every year with my friends from high school, and that was the move, game days.
2: Yeah, we had more events involved, but we just realized with 10 people, like, Five teams, like we got to be done by like eight thirty or nine, because at that point people are just going to give up and be like, "All right, I'm done."
0: Yeah, with ten drunk people, especially. <laughs> yeah. Like as the booze starts to hit, the games get sloppy.
2: Right. Well, that was the thing too. Like it's rare, but I mean, it was a Saturday. But like, I was like, "Man, I really want to smoke some weed," and I'm like, "Fuck, we got three games left. <laughs> man, I can't get too blazed yet, man. I got to concentrate.
0: <laughs> gotta stay focused on this championship. Get that W." <laughs>
2: i <laughs> just out of curiosity, out of all those games, what, what games would G2 be the best at?
1: Go ahead, Matt. Man, out of all of those, it's been a while on a lot. Of, I'd like to think badminton, um, you know, that always came pretty well to me. Um, but, I mean, I think we talked about it last week or but the finesse on that can can kill me but i'd I'd like to think that as i've aged and played more golf i've got more appreciation for the finesse involved yeah
2: i mean the the problem with badminton is just there's volleys where i would go five in a row and then it just it misses you by like a second or comes at you it just it makes you so human and like just shitty at a sport so quick. It's unbelievable.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's all about that teardrop shot just barely over the net for me. You know, I think about not really what I'm good at, but what other people are bad at. And I would say my distinct advantage in those is uh badminton and pool. I grew up with a pool table. I'm not great at pool, but a lot of people are really bad at pool. So I end up looking okay. And badminton I feel like as long as I'm not too drunk and then bags I feel like there's a really tiny sweet zone where I'm actually pretty good at that it's about two and a half beers in with some music going where you just where I don't really care I'm like already kind of drunk because I'm a lightweight and then you can just hit them but anything outside of that strict tolerance terrible
2: yeah I think for me at like the end I think it was probably like shuffleboard and bags that are probably best at
0: shuffleboard's a good game
2: right Big it's fan. also the two games you can probably play the most when you've been drinking <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah totally
2: i mean i know yeah. a lot of people play pool in bars but man i am pool's tough without without the scratches coming in
0: yeah pool pool is a difficult game i mean that's a finesse game for sure it's all about just barely hitting it where your ball goes in rather I, than like people just try to put way too much power on it i think
1: I, I had an alcohol sweet spot with that game too. It was like probably 3 to 4 beers, but yeah, there were, and then all downhill after that. It's just just yep. <laughs> Sounds it's <amazing>. about right. <laughs> all
2: right. So, help me out with the names here, Matt. So, in golf, you've talked about it, right? There's Bryson Bryson DeChambeau.
1: Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. And then who's the other guy? Brooks Kepka.
2: All right. And so here's the deal. Just to give people a little backstory, right? Kepka was always like the biggest dude on tour. And then Bryson got really big in like an off season or like a year. Over
1: before. quarantine.
2: Over quarantine. Bryson
1: I put know. on like 30, 40 pounds of muscle.
2: Right. So I feel like wow. that's where Brooks kind of hatred starts for him. And like I've, Matt's talked, touched on it. And I've heard they don't like each other. <laughs> and then, right. And who is it that takes forever when they're golfing?
1: So that's Bryson. And even wow. before Bryson put on all the muscle, Brooks had beef with him because he took so long because he's like a physics major and does all these damn calculations before every single shot and every single putt. And it takes forever.
2: Right. All right, cop. So here have you, you probably haven't seen the clip. It was all over like sports Twitter. So basically no, seen it. it's like, I don't know if it was Saturday afternoon or Sunday after the final round. But Brooks Kepka is about to do an interview, right? And you he already looks annoyed. And you because I think he could see Bryson in the corner is like gonna walk behind him as he's doing this interview. So he's doing the interview and he's talking and he's like, Yeah, like the putts were tough, like this and that. And you see Bryson walk by him and just say something. And Kepka just literally go like rolls his eyes, like and then just <laughs> tries to continue and then just loses it. It's like I can't. I can't, I I lost my fucking train of thought. Like that guy. Wow. And he's just (laughs) shaking his head and he's like, I I can't, I can't concentrate with with, when I'm saying that bull. And it was like, holy cow. Like this, like they do not like each other. Like this rivalry is legit.
0: Dang. I'm looking up the clip right now. So is that where your inspiration for, uh, your S talking during pool came from?
2: No, no, no. This, I only saw this clip last night. Matt, have you seen it yet?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it pretty early, I would say. Uh, then all the golf Instagram accounts I follow had had it, and it was just, yeah, it was hilarious. It was yesterday after the round, and uh, or Monday after the round, uh, Brooks Kepka came in second. He was like, he had the lead at one point during the day and then just faded down the stretch. Uh, and so he was already heated. And one of the other things that, has been uh Bryson's been criticized for by Brooks is he wears metal spikes, which are very loud. And so he came clanking by on the concrete and there was something said. No one knows what he what Bryson said and like if it was the cleats or he said something, but Brooks just lost it. And yeah, you hear the guy be like, I feel like the TV editing room, we're going to have some fun with this one. And Brooks is like, I wouldn't even care. Like, and sure enough, it got leaked. And you just saw a guy that's a real competitor that was pissed and his cheer- sworn enemy walked by at a bad time with the mics on. <laughs> yeah,
2: like, dude, I didn't even know you could still wear metal spikes at, like, golf courses. I thought there was, like, a huge no-no, and everybody had soft spikes.
1: Yeah, I
0: thought that, too.
1: Yeah, there was a rule change a couple years ago that made it made it legal again, at least on the tour. It was like, yeah, Brooks had a side and Bryson was like, I don't care. They helped me with my traction or whatever. And Brooks just rolls his eyes. (laughs) Brooks just thinks he's the biggest tool. Brooks is like Mr. Flow golfer. He just walks up, takes two seconds looking at the ball, just swings, blasts it up there, wins a bunch of majors, And then Bryson's like every little detail and it's like the clash of these two guys that look like linebackers.
2: Right. So here's what I was going to ask you guys. Right. So like as soon as like, as soon as you could tell he's already annoyed and then the eye roll just didn't even like sell it. Like, like I I was like, you didn't have to roll your eyes because you already cursed him out afterwards, but you could just tell he did not like him. So my first thing would be is like, you ever been somewhere just in a room? Like, how can you tell somebody just doesn't like you?
1: <laughs> oh, that's what your text was about earlier.
0: Yeah. Oh dude, that's awesome.
1: Go ahead, Matt. But don't, That's <laughs> how can I tell someone doesn't like me? Um, the eye roll is a big one. Right. But there's like people like you'll do both well in
2: everyday life who I just, I don't know that I would give it that big of an eye roll, but there's definitely times I've been places and people just give you like a yes, no, or like their body language.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like all the ones that come to mind. Yeah. It's the, the one word answers are like my biggest tell like yes or no, or sure or whatever it is. Like if I hear probably three, one word answers in a row, I'm devising an exit strategy ASAP.
0: nice yeah yeah for me i feel like um when people are just um hey um i mean you can tell when it's frosty in a room no question and i feel like for me you know ted you probably do this too but sometimes you'll walk in somewhere and like try to throw on a little bit of the charm and kind of warm warm things up a little bit and like when that's resisted like outwardly those are the ones that hurt where you really notice it. I would say just in a normal casual conversation, I don't notice it as much, but it's like, if I'm really trying to just like lay it on thick and be like, what's up? And they just stone cold. you It's like, okay, sorry for trying. And I just turn it off and just walk away. But yeah, I mean, body language, I would say is the number one, you know, just things being subcommunicated. And there's some people who are just like, I don't know. There's some people who, I guess I try not to do people's thinking for them. And what I mean by that is like, I think I've misread people's signals a lot. And sometimes I've thought someone felt one way about me when maybe that was not the case, Um, both good and bad. And so now I really kind of wait for something that's a pretty obvious sign rather than trying to uh, what's that word Uh, trying to read tea leaves. How, How about you, Ted?
2: Well, I'm with you. Yeah, usually it's body language. But I also have a bad habit sometimes, too. Like, if I'm trying to talk to a girl and it's like, I mean, not even trying to hit on her, but just like quick answers. And are like, all right, I'll leave this one alone. But I've definitely been in bars before where somebody would be like, I don't really care for sports. Like, well, why don't you? And I feel like, it's like, like for some reason, if it's like, why are you at bar,
0: this sports bar?
2: <laughs> right. Like, I'll keep trying, which isn't necessarily always the best thing. But yeah, I have. I've been, I have definitely walked to some parties or certain places where it's just like, I don't know if it's a look or like a money thing, but they like somebody, you can just tell somebody doesn't like, doesn't like you. And is like kind of shocked to see you're there. And it's like, all right.
0: Yeah. And actually you get that more than the average person. I would say you and I've talked about this, um, off cast back in the hot Tub Tuesday days, but you know, one of your greatest strengths is that you're like, sort of like, um, you, you, you when people first meet you you come across as a very simple person like kind of a simpleton cuz you do use short words like concise sentences and stuff and so what i love is people don't realize that there's also like somebody who's been professionally roasting people for 15 years buried in that brain. And, uh, I noticed that that one tailgate we went to, but yeah, just in general. And so people will not expect, you know, a sharp or quick tongue from Ted. And, uh, that's a big mistake because you're about to get roasted publicly. And so those are always fun to watch Is I'll watch someone make a, like, maybe they're like engaged with me and they'll kind of give a brush off comment to Ted and barely know that we know each other. And I'm just like, okay, big mistake. Big mistake. (laughs) I just won't say anything. Usually let it pass and just like wait. Cause Ted takes his time man. he picks his moment when there's like a nice little crowd gathered around. Like that's when the hammer drops on you and you just regret everything you've done. But usually he's pretty good at smoothing it over after and making friends fun to watch though. (laughs) Like we were just talking about that party um, on June 19th that we go to, like that type of environment's perfect for that. When people don't know Ted, don't really know what to expect. There's kind of like, what This dude with a beard, a gold chain? Like, I I don't know about this guy. I'm not interested. Boom. Big mistake.
2: (laughs) And last time we went to that party, I showed, this was early in the soda water games. And I was like, yeah, these are Rainier cherries. And I mean, yeah, we went, and it was only a six pack, but I think we blew through it in like two minutes. Everybody's like, you know what? No, thanks, man. I will try one. And they're like, can I get another one? Like, Shit. usually I would have brought more. I didn't think anybody would care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I notice it a lot when you'll roll up to a conversation that I'm in, people won't really know that we know each other. So you'll kind of come up and just stand by me. You know, it's like, yeah, we're just hanging out. I do the same thing to you. And that's when I've noticed that people give Ted the brush off and yeah, there's like, who's this random guy standing next to us? Like they don't know that we're friends. It's awesome, man. One of my favorite things actually about being friends with you. <laughs>
2: I'm telling anybody listening to this podcast, look up just Brooks Kepka's eye roll. Because, I mean, he is not
1: hiding it.
0: Dude, I pulled it up on YouTube to watch after this. It looked like the first one I pulled up, they actually removed already NBC Universal, copyrighted it. And then uh, now it looks like there's another version of somebody reacting to it. So I'll be able to see it
1: there's a bunch and as soon as i saw it i turned my screen recorder on and saved myself a copy just in case it got like scrubbed early but then like i said like eight other accounts had it within an hour and i was like it's out there perfect
0: yeah and like, lo- dude
2: the internet remains undefeated yeah that's what i say sometimes on youtube stuff gets pulled down but like if you look on twitter it's always out there
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah you just, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, baby. Not in 2021. You
2: can't, right. And you, I'm telling you what, if you're the USGA, like, I don't care what you have to do, what strings you have to pull and blatantly flub it. But like, those guys need to be paired up. mic like, up. A Friday or Saturday wrap. Like, I guess Saturday would be tougher because they already have scores in. But like, I want to see these guys tee off and have to deal with each other for a whole 18 holes.
1: Everybody does. And yeah, whoever that, yeah, right. Golf Channel like leaked that clip is a goddamn hero. Like, we had a lot of fun with that, but somebody knew this shouldn't get out, and was like, "I don't care. I'm sending it to somebody that's going to post it." And here we are. <laughs> that
0: that's what I love. And I, what I will say that the the UFC does really well. So yeah, if I was the uh, what is it the PGA or what's the association? Yeah.
1: There's a PGA and the USGA, but yeah.
0: Okay. Should, whoever I makes the pairings. Said, I should have said, D, D. Oh, Oh, I honestly literally don't know, but um, yeah, whoever makes the pairings, they should wait like two weeks. So it's not obvious pair them together and get them together a couple more times this year. That's one thing I will say that I love about the UFC is they got, you know, they took a lot of notes from how the NFL markets um, and getting people to follow players, individual stories and things, or fighters, individual stories. And one thing that the UFC does do a great job of is matchups that people want to see. I mean, that's the upside of people like it's a sport. It's like, it's also an entertainment product. And that's the thing that they do a really good job of is they're like, look, man, people are, you know, talking about, um, whatever. We saw that like Masvidal, uh, the like BMF belt, like, what was that? It didn't even mean anything, but people just wanted to see Masvidal and Diaz fight. They made it happen. You know, when Conor McGregor was hot, like they got him his big fights and it's not necessarily the most, you know, um, rule oriented, strict, Setup. it's like dude let's let's pair up the people that everyone wants to see like you know who has beef sometimes it's real sometimes it's not like let's go i think they do a great job of get with very few exceptions of getting the fights people want
2: dude and you're right in combat sports whether it's boxing or mma like you can do that because you make the matchups and sometimes like i don't blame guys they're like man i got jumped i should have been up next it's like you're right but we need pay-per-view buys too whereas like most league sports or whatever, like there's nothing you can do. You might want the ultimate matchup to be, I don't know, we'll say Mariners nationals, right? But you can't, you'd have to physically cheat the games or juke the numbers to make that happen.
0: Well, yeah. And and so that's the, uh, that's the thing. So, so like golf, still an entertainment product, I would say professional golf. And so I'm with you that they should juke it to make it happen. But then I, I know you're against the super league. I actually am too. But I will say that was the case on the side of the Super League is if you don't watch that much soccer, every time you turn it on, you're seeing, you know, um, whatever, like, um, you know, GSP and uh, I mean, whoever you want, Rockwell or something like you're seeing just top tier matches every time. And it would be pretty cool to be able to just like throw on, you know, AC Milan and, you know, Bayern Munich or whatever. But I'm also against the Super League. We don't need to talk about it, but just. You know, there's some upside. I see what they were thinking,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, and I agree with I, I agree with what they were thinking. PSG GSP is George Saint Pierre. You're, you're thinking about yeah,
0: that's what I was saying. Yeah, I was th- talking about George Saint Pierre. I, I said two of- fighters.
2: No, 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 the soccer thing. You said GSP. No,
0: I said George Saint Pierre and Rockwell.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. All right.
0: Yeah 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 yeah. You're thinking Yeah. So- yeah. I think for soccer, what I say AC Milan and somebody in the Bundesliga. Right. oh by munich
2: I mean, he's got the right letters they're just mixed up
0: <laughs> tsc
2: <laughs> oh man all right uh yeah i got another topic we might save it for a week it's a loaded one yeah we'll get back to that one uh let's take a quick break come back we're to some emails and see what's, what's matting it all right as always thanks to our sponsors good looking out guys all right, now it's time to read some emails.
0: <laughs> dude, that literally makes me laugh every time. It's like your cheapest line. <laughs> <laughs> it just so we
2: have no idea what the commercials are. They get it added in afterwards if nobody knows. That's why I was like doing some
0: Yeah. And so, dude, I just I wanted like there to be a clip somewhere of like some like terrible advertisement for like, you know whatever like I I can't even think of what would embarrass you at this point you're a pretty open book but like you know like men's penis enlargement or something you're like "Ah, I love those guys thanks to our sponsors (laughs) you know what I mean like something I want there to just be a clip out there that just roast where you roast yourself
2: (laughs) it's only a matter Um, of time my friend a matter of time
0: I know, it really is. Dude, I mean, this whole damn podcast is a dice roll. It's a matter of time before this derails one of our careers in a significant way. Let's be real. Like, some of the clips that we've said on here are so indefensible. I
1: mean, it is just, you know, you I don't can't think apologize. We
2: need to people. I mean, like,
1: I like think Send the them block. on a wild goose chase here.
2: Yeah, my head's on the chopping block. Everybody, chill out. <laughs>
1: Uh,
0: Hey guys, (laughs) thank you for the greatest podcast in all the land. All the land. All the land. Regarding Cobb's urinal experience and someone deviating from the expected norm to give each other space. um, If you guys will remember, I went into a three-urinal situation in a nightclub. I took far left. Next guy in took middle. Very bizarre. Um, uh, So, regarding uh, the expected norm to give each other space, I have a follow-up question. Have you ever used the restroom at an establishment you're hanging out at and then continued to keep using the same toilet or urinal while you're there? I get into this habit. Even when I was at the office, I'd do this. Maybe that guy had claimed the middle earlier or urinal earlier in the day. Uh I don't know. Just a thought. Take care, Michelle.
2: Uh, that's pretty fair. I only I only pee at the small urinal or poop in the biggest stall at work. Like I don't know that I've ever used the middle stall or like the tall <laughs> urinal. <laughs>
0: Dude, there's a lot to talk about right there. I mean, one, uh, okay, there's tears. One, I would say that the don't pee directly next to me rule supersedes the I usually use this toilet rule. So I'd say there's a hierarchy there that he probably should have respected would be my sh- thought, Michelle. But Ted, as for you using the big stall, you're a tall toilet guy. Those things always throw me off. They're just like slightly higher. Makes it tough to poop. I just like the space in there. I got to move around. You know, I might take
2: my shirt off. Who knows?
0: Dude, I I pull the shirt. I pop the tea pretty often. That seems like a pro. Anytime it's going to be like a, a hot and dirty one, you know, you got to pop the tea.
2: I will say this though. Like I won't mention the bar, but like uh, I was on a road trip like a month or two ago and me and uh, someone earlier, Sean, we we're both in there. So I went to the bathroom and as I was peeing, like I got a little splashback and I was like, and these urinals seem really tall, but you know, I'm five, nine, five ten, I'll let it go. And then he came out and we had a couple beers. We hit the road and I was like, and he finally, he goes, "Was that urinal really tall? And I was like, thank you. Like I thought it was just me, but I wasn't going to bring it up. Like that makes you feel much better.
0: <laughs> uh, it is funny how like often people are kind of on the same page about stuff, but it's like, you know, do I, do I talk about it or do I just let it go? Yeah, I feel like people, stuff like that happens.
2: Well, and Michelle won't get this because she doesn't stand up to pee. But there, that's why I love the old school urinal that just is like just a big long
1: one that goes all the all way, way down. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah, man. They made me want to pull my pants down to my ankles and see how far back I can go, like in kindergarten. <laughs> it's the best. Dude, game. yeah. Men get a lot of different
0: looks from urinals. I mean, now it's starting to get more homogeneous, but if Matt, you might remember you were in California. I don't know if either of you guys experienced the kingdom days, if either of you guys been to the kingdom. Yep. I never had So the kingdom back in the day, Ted, you've been to enough stadiums that I'm sure at some point you've experienced the circle sink where you step on a foot pedal and it shoots the water kind of in a circle and everyone washes their hands at the same time. Yeah. Well, they had a urinal like that. Um, <laughs> Multiple actually. And so you would be like peeing into like essentially a big communal bucket and, you know, old school 95 ALS champs, Mariners fans will know what I'm talking about. Refuse to lose baby. But like there, there was that. And then like guys also get like, there's that bar in Belltown by your old place where we get to pee into the ice. That's always satisfying. Love it. you ice know what I'm talking about. There's also a, a periscope that looks at the space, you know, from that bar. We get, like, sometimes you get those long ceramic ones that kind of just trough. are like a trough. Yeah. Sometimes you get the metal trough, the stainless steel that's tilted. Mm-hmm. The guys get a couple different looks in there. It's nice. I don't know if women well, I, really get to experience that simple joy.
2: When I was a kid, yeah, like the, the Maryland games used to have the circle, like the circle trough. But then I... I have definitely been drunk at a stadium where they had the hand-washing thing and, like, almost peed in it.
1: I saw a guy do it at White River.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, whoops, my bad. But the trough, it's funny, too, is, like, for the women listening, like, the trough starts off, it's, like, everybody's super quiet, like, you're just peeing, it's the first couple innings. Then before you know it, it's like the seventh inning, and like people are crossing streams <laughs> and like chatting yeah. with each other. Like it gets real chummy real quick.
0: Horseplay. Yeah. <laughs> horseplay. <laughs> I dare. Definitely some horseplay and tomfoolery. <laughs> uh hey guys. Longtime listener of the men's room. Just binged every <laughs> <laughs> boys. <laughs> God, just binged every podcast episode in a month while I was at work. I've probably been listening since I was about 14 years old because that's the station my mom always listened to. I'm 28 now and I find myself struggling with a lot of mental health issues. Uh, Feeling alone in a room full of crowded people, self-destructive habits, and pushing people away when I get scared that they're too close. Just wondering what the names are of some books that Cobb recommends for finding yourself slash being a better man. Uh, my ex and I broke up on my birthday last Friday, and it was my decision for not being in the right headspace. She called me this Thursday morning to tell me, boys, we're going deep here. Hold, right. hold on to something. Or make sure you're sitting down. Uh, I did not pre-read this. Um, let's see. Uh, I lost my place. Um, my ex and I broke up. Uh, it was my decision because I wasn't in the right headspace. Uh, she called me this Thursday morning to tell me she's pregnant. So I'm riding here in the hopes of some resources and whatnot. I want to get better for myself, but also for her so that I can be the lover and person she needs. And also for our future child, who isn't even close to being here, uh, but I'm still crying about it as excited as can be. Much love, gents. Thank you for everything that you do. LARP on. Ted, you want to kick us off here?
2: Wow. Yeah. Thanks. That's a lot. Uh, first of all, breakups are very tough, whether you initiate it or, or she does. Or he does, or whoever you're dating. I don't give a crap. So I would always say, whenever you're coming off a breakup, you gotta, it's hard. Because it just seems like, uh, I don't even know the words to describe it. It's just awful. You feel like crap. You can barely sleep. So you're always going to be in a weird headspace. Now, on top of that, adding in that she's pregnant, like, man, I don't know. I don't have kids. That, that's a lot. So I, I would say at this point, let's just breathe let's not forget to breathe
0: yeah that's sound Uh, Matt
1: yeah great advice there Ted Uh, I would think that um, it almost did it sound to you guys like uh, he was going to or had the opportunity like he was going to get back with her now that this new information came out that's my read okay that was kind of the vibe I was getting. And, um, you know, in which case, uh, I think, I don't know. I have some clients that have kids. That's kind of my more closer interaction, especially working from home. Um, and seeing them go through it is one interesting thing is like, I definitely see them growing along with the kid. And it was funny you mentioned breathing Ted, because today I talked to a client who has a young daughter and I was like, she was a little frazzled at the start of the session. I was like, hey, let's take a few deep breaths here. Get into a new headspace so we can, you know, do this, do this session top-notch, right? And she's like, okay, cool. And she could like feel the physical difference. And I was like, how often are we checking in on the breathing throughout the day, would you say? And she's like, man, with my daughter, like I'm getting better about it. And because I want her to, so then I find myself returning to it more and more. And so I do that just showed an interesting parallel of like, you know, you've got some growth that you want to accomplish. And I think there's going to be opportunities to have that growth, you know, show as you're raising this kid. And um I think that that, that'll be a really cool process for you with the right headspace and uh resources when Cobb gives you some book recommendations here.
0: Yeah. I, I would say, you know, well, I'm not going to pull any punches here because it does sound like you, you need some genuine help. Um, it, it the email is all over the place, so it's a little bit tough to pin down what's happening. But uh, Ben, my understanding is that um, you broke up uh, and it was your decision, but for not being in the right headspace. So maybe you're just kind of feeling weird and you wanted to be in the relationship, but then you, you pulled the plug. Um, if that's the case, okay. If you wanted to break up with her. And then she is using her being pregnant as a tactic to get back together with you. Um, You know, I've seen stranger things. I'll say that. So if that's what you think might be happening, then I definitely would see, watch her take a pregnancy test myself and make sure that she is pregnant. Um, And you know, the, the phase two of that is making sure it's yours, which, you know, I I don't think that's an issue here, but you never know. Um, The other thing I would say is that, you know, you're honestly going to be fine. So that's the good news, but you need to do some work. I think a lot of people just think that, um, you know, you are the way you are uh, when you're born and that that's who you have to be and you're resigned to that destiny. I don't think that's the case. I think you have to forge who you're going to be. And one big piece of that is that happiness is a habit. I think it's something that can be built and worked on. Um, You're going to need to do that. So that's the... The main thing I would say is that you're responsible for your own happiness. You have to focus on it. Um, Two, I think that I would definitely recommend you seek professional help. I think that, um, you know, a light antidepressant could be a really good move for you. It could be a, you know, it's a controversial subject, but can be a real godsend in the right situation. So I would go with a professional and see how they feel. Um, I also immediately would quit social media and make sure you're eating healthy, Uh, maybe getting a little bit of cardio exercise if you can, if that fits into your schedule. Um, yeah, there's some things to work out, but you know, if you want to be with this step one, do you want to be with this girl step two, you know, is she actually pregnant and would you want to be with her if she wasn't pregnant? And then, you know, step three is, is getting yourself sorted out as fast as possible. It's not going to be easy. Um, and it's going to take some time, but yeah, I would go, uh, through what I said. As far as books, the only one I, that immediately jumps to mind, uh, I guess, two would be um, 12 Rules for Life and um, uh, The Way of the Superior Man by David Dita. I would try those out, but realistically, you know, I think um, uh, a light antidepressant is going to help uh, moderate mood swings, and that could be helpful. So those are the resources I would recommend. Um, but You know, you're going to be fine. I'm glad you wrote in, but you probably need more help than just uh, a quick email to a podcast would be my, my guess. Voice.
2: Yeah. And also the only thing I would add in too, is like, there's a child in the mix. Like it's hard because it would be your guys' child together, but like, you got to figure out if you want to be together or, you know, there's plenty of people that raise a child that aren't together, you know?
0: Yeah. That's good advice yeah
2: i've seen plenty of people that are like well we have a kid so we got to do this and it's like "Ah, is that good for the kid like, Right? you
1: know what
2: i mean i mean look I, I grew up with it right watching two people fight all the time they probably shouldn't have been together or are divorced now and shouldn't have been you know but i get it it's a very instinctual thing so but you know right i think everybody said you know their thoughts on it i agree with cobb but also like again like Take that breath and realize like breakups are hard. They are brutal. So you're you're not alone in these feelings.
0: Yeah. And that child might not be real. (laughs) I mean, sorry. That's, that's the truth. I've I've had someone try to pull that on me before. So, you know.
2: All right. A little bit of a somber, a little serious, but we're going to break here (laughs) and then come back and Matt's going to tell us about all the fun
0: he's been having. All right. (laughs) Wait, can you tell it on the cast or now?
2: Yeah, it just—it would just seem odd to come back from a commercial, and I'm just telling oh. the story. You know what I mean? Ah. I feel like, whoa, we were talking about this. So, Larry David is friends with uh, Carissa Thompson, right, from Fox Sports, and right, Thompson Automotive, up here, all that stuff. So apparently, they're in an elevator together. I want to say the Kentucky Derby or something. And she's like, Tom Brady's in there looking like beautiful. Like she's starstruck. And Tom Brady's like, hey, Larry. Like, Larry, you know, it's a, she said, Larry David just turns around on a packed elevator and goes, well, hey, Tom.
0: Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's a great story. I love yeah. stuff like that. Yeah.
2: Uh <clears throat> all right, you ready there? You ready to rock there, Matt? Yep. Alright. Welcome back. Let's check in with what's battening. Hey,
1: hey, what's good? What's
0: man Uh before we get to what's battening. Hey, 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 what's good? What's man
2: Check out what's battening? Hey, what's good, what's man Uh before we get to what's battening. Hey, hey, what's good, what's man check out with what's back all
1: right uh well this weekend uh tyler and i drove out to this place called slab city cobb have you been there no i only heard about it okay ted have you heard about it
2: i have i've seen specials on it on like vice and stuff
1: okay yeah so it's it's really cool it's it's a trip it's this little community out in the desert Um, that's like totally off the grid and they're just doing it themselves and they love art and it's weird art. Um, but that's my favorite kind. And I guess it, it kind of started because this guy went out there and really loved God and Jesus and wanted to build a big monument saying God is love. And it's like a bunch of hay bales painted in this brightly colored mountain um with all this like religious stuff all over it and he w- built it over the course of 30 years so it's a trip to go up there and then just see see this wild thing in the middle of the desert and somewhere along the way Ted I haven't seen the documentary so if you can fill, it I don't know that all of this information is accurate I know it looked dope as hell that's and it was fun like <laughs> But I believe the story is that that guy came out there and built that that big monument known as Salvation Mountain. And then somewhere along the way, other people started a little community out there that's that's still running and pretty self-sufficient. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I don't know. You probably know more about the history than I do. I've just seen specials where it's like pretty obvious, like people that live there, like for real want to live off the grid and are like, no, we're, we're fine here. We don't need anything else.
1: yeah. And, and it's it's awesome. It has a very outlaw vibe to it. And, uh, you know, I haven't been to Burning Man, but it just looked like I think the line I was like, this is why Burning Man's a week long. Like, if you just extend Burning Man forever, like <laughs> this, this is what the art comes to look like. Uh, and, and it's just beat to hell from being in the desert all year round and. Uh, but it's all like this recycled old would otherwise be junk and really, really cool stuff. They had a like, um, they had a black lives matter, um, gallery or exhibit or whatever. And it was like, it was really powerful out there and seeing the names of all, all these names and seeing their last words are written on TVs and stuff. And it's like messing with my head. And you go living out in the desert off the grid, that crazy. Like, who am I to come out to these people with judgments about like, that's my civilization back there. You know, I was just like, people are making some points out here. Um, So, you know, went out in the desert, got weird um, and took a bunch think, of pictures.
2: I was going to say, I think at, at the end of the day, to me, that's what art should be. Right. Like it should be beautiful and this and that, but it should make you think and it should make you question something.
1: Yeah. Um, and, Tyler and I have traveled, you know, all over the world and gone to museums in Amsterdam and New York and stuff. And I mean, that experience was just as powerful as any of the like, quote unquote, official galleries that are known around the world that are super famous. And all these other, you know, it's like, damn, it, it worked. And that's exactly it's like, that's what the cool thing about art is.
2: Yeah, And I mean, there's something to the desert, right? Even if you look at the Bible. I mean, that's a main theme is that like Jesus was alone in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and he comes back, and then
0: yeah. Yep.
1: You
2: know, yeah. Yeah, and then
0: what happens? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> then they kill him, then he's gonna rise from the
2: dead, then ascend to heaven. It's a whole thing. But yeah.
0: Then the Easter bunny comes hopping out.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? But yeah, deserts show up all the time and a lot of literature and like uh, the, the de- desert the desert's just a different place.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can you know kind of sense the the spirituality of the environment in general i feel like in deserts and yeah, i've got really drew that parallel yeah yeah so uh Definitely a big fan of slab city and East Jesus. It is cool that they have Venmo. They accept Venmo donations at the, the one place called East Jesus. It's like, you guys are, aren't that off the grid, but thank God. Cause like, I want to throw you guys a little bit of support. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, yeah, so that was, that was a lot of fun. Came back and watched the end of the uh, PGA championship mass uh, major champion, major event on the golf thing. And, Phil Mickelson won at 50, man. Let's but say Lexi
2: coming through with a, with a Grand Slam.
1: That was so wild.
2: um a major, a major. Sorry, they call them Grand Slams in tennis, my bad.
1: He needs one more to get the major, to get the Grand Slam. He's won three of the four majors, and if he wins the fourth, which is the U.S. Open, that would be the career Grand Slam, but he's never won the one of the majors. Um,
2: right, well, but- remember- There's the tiger slam because tiger won four in a row, but not in the same like season. Right.
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's what tiger did was just like, so, you know, there's a lot of new words for it where we're throwing tiger into stuff. They had the tiger proof courses back. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, but you know, during that whole time, like Phil was kind of the people's golfer, Right. And like always second fiddle to Tiger, obviously. But Tiger is like a robotic image, you know, mega gazillionaire. And Phil was always the, the guy, you know, chopping it up with the gallery and, you know, just more personable. Um, and this was his moment out of Tiger's shadow. It was just all about Phil. Everybody was rooting for him. 50 years old, like he was just out there breathing the entire time. Like his breathing was so steady. It was such a great display of the power of it because history's on the line. Did you see 18 Ted? I did not. I did
2: not see the end of the tournament. I mean, I've seen the highlights
1: of the crowd.
2: Oh, the crowd was unbelievable. I mean, I hadn't seen a crowd on, like that since like the Tiger days.
1: Yeah. Cobb, you'll want to look up the crowd on the 18th hole of the PGA championship. It was a mob- I saw one clip. Is that where they were running down the fairway? They mobbed him on the fairway, like That's straight so up. Sick. And one guy like put his arm around him. Uh, and then later on Twitter, Phil was like, I elbowed him in the ribs. He backed off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Ted, you can go back and look uh, after that night. He starts replying to tweets with just the big BDE to the max. Somebody's like Brooks Kepka <laughs> hits one three sixty one in the middle of the fairway on uh, sixteen. Phil Mickelson, age fifty, steps up and hits it three sixty six. He like outdrives Brooks on the sixteenth hole, and then he just respon- responded, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> and then you see him start replying to these things and then somebody asked him and he's like yeah i'm on the plane half lit tweeting life's good <laughs> yeah, I can't. even as a awesome. major champion flying home in his private jet he somehow came across relatable with that tweet so Phil Mickelson uh was it just it was so much fun getting lost in all that and seeing what he accomplished at that age with taking control of like mindfulness, meditation, health, nutrition, fitness. like he went out there and did something fantastic, and I was just basking in it once we got back from Slab City, and then that clip with Brooks and Bryson came out, and <laughs> <laughs> that thing was awesome. Golf gods were smiling this weekend. Yeah, no kid. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's what's going on check out course.nutrition made fun code back to basics all lowercase with the letter two um, that'll be up through the end of the week and i'm really proud of where it's at and um yeah we're gonna we're gonna have some fun so that's what has been going on in my world
2: yeah we should tweet that out too good idea yeah man all yeah. right well i guess it's
0: about that time boop boop doop boop boop, boop, boop. boop. boop uh topic uh, topic all right boys i had kind of a weird experience um so some people make fun of me for this some people think it's cool i don't i don't know i'll probably get roasted by you two, but all right so all of my watches um i don't have like nice watches or anything but just like like these wood watches that i have i leave them set at 11 11 I don't use them to tell time. I leave them set at eleven eleven because eleven's my lucky number. Eleven eleven together is just always like, you know, it's it's always felt powerful to me. But the the main thing is it's sort of a psychological trick because that's the most common occurring set of numbers. You know, anything that's counting up has to go past 1111. So you end up seeing it a lot out there. And I've always felt like when I see 1111, it's like this weird omen where it's basically just like, Hey, you're in the, you're right where you're supposed to be. And, uh, I use that as kind of a psychological trick, knowing it's going to show up a lot on license plates, clocks, whatever, um, to sort of like, you know, soothe my mind and feel like I'm just right where I'm supposed to be and doing my thing. And actually that guy who emailed earlier, feel free to use that. Um, but the other night I was at a nightclub in Austin. Don't judge me. Uh, and um, met this guy, we were chatting and he was like, Hey man, something, something. Yeah. I keep my watch at 11, 11. Do you know what time it is? And I was just like, I got a huge smile on my face, slowly pulled my watch out and just like, yeah, uh, check it out. And he's like, looking at it, looking at it, trying to put together. And he's like, Oh my God. And just looks at me. I'm like, yeah, dude, I do the same thing. And so he had just started doing it. I told him about my little Levins thing. He loved it. So he's going to use it. Anyway, the cop topic this week is what's the best psychological trick you have? What is the best psychological trick you have? Maybe it's one you play on yourself or on other people. Feel free to email us. Literally the word email at thepodcast.com. Two ease on that. Or you can go to our website, thepodcast.com. What's the best psychological trick you have? Boys?
2: Mm.
1: well i have a story about the 11 11 thing because it's kind of wild. it got wilder the other day um and so when i first learned about 11 11 i was in spanish class in high school with a girl named sarah and we would do and she was like oh it's 11 11 make a wish it's a thing and i was like that's not a real thing is is it you know and over the course of the years, I was like, it's not, but it's fun to note. Every time I notice, I think like, "Oh, make a wish because I just heard it from a hot girl at an impressionable age in Spanish class. And that's a good enough reason. Right. And and eventually I'm like growing up, I'm like, there's nothing to this, but I'm going to let there be something to it. I'm going to use it as a reminder of like the universe's synchronicity. Right. And so I'm I ran with it. You know, there's no harm in having something like that in, in your thing. Right. And like psychological tricks, the placebo effect, convincing yourself that something's working well, because you're seeing some sort of like, I'm all for that sort of stuff. It's a spiritual like, free roll. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And so then I find out my girlfriends also mentioned the 11, thing. She started the 11, thing has origins in french class in high school with a girl named sarah what yeah foreign languages with girls named
0: sarah make a wish and ted had a threesome at 1111 with two girls named sarah <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I, don't, I was
2: going to say introduce contact but that's how i almost got us in fight with in a fight with uh, Juliana Rosa's trainer.
1: <laughs> <His content>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I think the one I use the most is depending on the situation is that like, if, if I feel like I'm on the defensive, I'm not going to let too much silence go by because it makes people uncomfortable. Right. Like part of like police interrogations. It's just like, leave people in there, look at them. Don't say anything. But I also have done it on the other side. Where like you could feel tension in a room and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna break it. Like that person's in the wrong, or you know what I mean? So that's probably the one I lean on the most, either in my favor or or against it. But like, yeah, knowing when to like talk and knowing when sometimes just let the silence sit there. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes when you're in a real fight for me, like I always want to talk it out, but sometimes just talking it out in the moment's probably not the best call. Like sometimes it's just like, yeah, it's a real argument. We'll we'll get back to it, but I don't know. You're pissed off. I'm pissed off. Why don't we just all simmer in this? Shit?
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a good negotiating tactic to let the silence do its work.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Other than that, I will say I notice, like, if I see a word I've never seen before, a place, then once it's in your head, I forget the term, but like, you start noticing it a lot more. So, like, I picked up the 11s from you and Barnsey. So, I'm like, I don't know if that's a thing for me, but I definitely notice 11 all the time.
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it.
2: So all right. We'll, we'll be back next week. And then we have a week off because I'll be on the East Coast. And oh, you know what? I'll be out at a nice seafood restaurant for my 40th birthday. Nice. Woo! Yeah. Let's go. Tell you, tell you what I'm not getting. Fucking salmon. We am flying back from Seattle to get salmon at a restaurant. Turf <laughs> sure, so and turf. Turf and turf, right? Uh yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh this weekend's Memorial Day, uh, three-day weekend. Get out there, enjoy it. I think I'm gonna try to uh, get over to the Sounders match, and then uh other than that, we'll see everybody next week. All right, okay. for MCTP Rakab for from the Ted Smith this is the podcast. Cheers.